Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an award-winning STEM communicator, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant and coach. Now my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. This is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time. Now I know being an entrepreneur can be both lonely and overwhelming. At UK Educators Community, we've created a community of like-minded, like-valued individuals all supporting each other. From the Champions Club accountability groups to business retreats in Marrakesh, you'll find industry-specific support to help you propel your business forward. So why don't you join us? Join our Facebook group, UK Educators, or find some great resources on the website at ukeducators.com. We look forward to welcoming you to our community. Today I've got with me Julie Reed. So Julie's another person that I've not really got to know that well, but she does post regularly, so I recognise her name from the UK Educators Group. And Julie was telling me just before we got onto the podcast that she does art. And I don't think I've had an art teacher yet in any of my seasons, so this is really exciting because I know I'm interested in art as well. And I would have loved to have gone down that route, but I chose physics and maths in the end. I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation today. So welcome Julie do you want to tell us a little bit about you yes thank you thank you for having me yes I teach art I teach art well art and design so I suppose important to state both um, because I work with students who are usually at you know the, the last year in school so usually in sixth year um, and they're preparing portfolios for applying to university or art college university courses in art and design. So that can be anything from painting, sculpture to photography, interior design, fashion design, illustration, architecture. That's so cool. <laughs> Quite a lot. It's so creative and so varied and I bet it keeps you really busy And because every student's going to do something completely different and mm. will have a completely different interest and style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Tell us what that involves, because I'm in, intrigued to know, because you specifically, it's portfolio development, not just teaching art. So what does that look like? It's ever so slightly different where I am. I'm in Scotland, um, and I, I know, Sid, you're in, in England, and Wales is, is a similar model to England, whereas here in Scotland, students, they leave school a little bit earlier I think they're a year younger and we do a four-year degree for for art and design students up here and the first year is very much or used to be very much a general year a bit like a foundation course yeah so in England you would leave school at 18 go on a foundation course at Mm. your further education college you know close by probably which is what I did because I studied in grew up in England and then you would go and apply for a three-year degree in England usually although I went to Scotland. <laughs> so it's ever so slightly different. And students in England would leave school and do a foundation course, which is a very kind of general, experimental, you know, wide ranging sort of diagnostic course that would give them lots of skills and lots of experiences with different kinds of projects and materials so that they can then make a decision about what they want to specialise in when they do the degree. Because if you did something like photography, you know, a portfolio would be very different to applying for something like painting or, you know, sculpture. But in Scotland here, they, the students have to decide straight out of school 
what oh, they wow. want to specialise in for four years. And that's quite a challenge, really. So really trying to work with them outside of the curriculum that they're in, either A-levels, which some students do up here, or the advanced hires and hires that they do up here in Scotland, do something a bit more personal, which is what you'd kind of said. Everybody does something different. Mm. Everybody's portfolio needs to be, needs to sort of say something about them, you know, reflect mm. who they are. And it's quite difficult to do that when you're in a school curriculum and you're given such kind of restricted projects and some schools and some students manage it really well and some don't and it just really depends on the person and on the school and lots of different factors but what I aim to do is to introduce something to them that they can add to their portfolio on top of their A-level work on top of their hires or advanced hires something that's totally different something that's really kind of experimental not based on exams so they don't have to pass anything all they're doing is producing not all it's a lot of work <laughs> all they're doing is producing, you know, some really exciting risk-taking work. They can take as many risks as they like because they don't have to pass an exam. You're essentially a facilitator, right? So you, you're yeah. just like, a, and yeah. even a bit like a coach because you're pushing them to their boundaries rather than mm. kind of going. It's not a typical teacher student relationship because a teacher mm -hmm. implies that you're teaching and you're not really mm -hmm. teaching you're kind of mm -hmm. getting them to open up and explore yeah. things so it's a bit different and it's just making me wonder like what do these portfolios actually look like like what kind of can you give us an example of what kind of stuff that you've done and how do you get them to open up because like you've said I did AS level art and you are given a, a, t a theme or a title to kind of explore but there are limitations because there's certain things that you have to do in order to get the grade so you have to do the research element there has to be an idea generation uh, a mark for ideas that you've generated from that and then and then you kind of do a final design so there's loops to kind of go through with a, an exam-based art uh, course. What's your process? How do you get them to kind of think outside the box a bit more? And how do you kind of figure out what they want to do? Because that, I guess that's part of the process as well, trying to figure out mm. what area they want to work on. Mm -hmm. And art is so broad. So how do you narrow that yeah. down? Yeah. So many questions but, there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's funny, you know, most students come to me kind of knowing what they do want to apply for. And I find that really strange because they've had a very limited experience of art at school. Mm. Um, I mean, painting is obviously popular because, you know, that's really predominantly what, what school art, in my experience, was. It was painting, um, a bit of clay work, a bit of sculpture, but, you know, I didn't do any design work. And of course, I follow the creative process with them or the design process, whichever you want to call it. And it, it's exactly what you said, you know, that kind of idea of, you know, researching ideas, researching images, researching different artists and designers and following it through, you know, developing ideas and bringing in what we'd call context. So artists and designers who can influence the students and of the course then the final pieces but what I really really encourage and I, it's not always the case that at school students use sketchbooks and introducing the idea of sketchbooks and how it's this kind of book that isn't a presentation book it's not a kind of curated book with things stuck in that you're really pleased with it's a book that records the process so you know being free in that and experimenting that annotating it and reflecting on what you've done and using it as a tool you know a little bit I suppose like your maths book where you would be 
testing out sums and <laughs> I didn't do maths so I <laughs> in my margin I used to do my sums and that's how it should be it, yeah it should be like that but I don't think that's what exercise books are in the end even yeah, like science yeah. books should be about writing down thoughts and doing experiments mm. but you're told exactly what to do and it's not really mm. an experiment it's not an exploration yeah. which is what it should be I used to have a sketchbook at school but it's a very different use of a sketchbook because mm -hmm. you know someone's mm -hmm. going to go through that and mark it. Yes, yeah, yeah. And suddenly having something where it's your own and it, it's an experimental piece, do they also make it look really nice and beautiful? Because I, I remember looking through some sketchbooks at school of some really talented students and they, oh, they were gorgeous to look at. Mm -hmm. Some students do, but I do encourage them not to because I think that's time they could be actually generating their ideas yeah. <laughs> rather than making it look pretty. And they don't get extra yeah. marks for that either. So, so I mean, in a way, the sketchbooks are marked because they do, when the students submit their portfolios, they do need to provide images of their sketchbooks. So in a way, it is marked and they will get, you know, a grade if they ask for feedback based on, you know, their sketchbooks, their research and development, but they're given credit for, you know, risk taking, trying things out that perhaps haven't worked and reflecting on that and working out the journey from, okay, well, that didn't work. And so I did this instead, and that worked much better. So to see the process is really important within, you know, what they're doing in the projects, and the sketchbook is the best place for it, really. So that's the kind of part that I feel sometimes the school curriculum doesn't really kind of embrace or well, the students don't embrace it because they get kind of a bit caught up in that thing of it's being marked and it's got to be a certain way so for me that's really important because that's where all the exciting stuff happens where mm. they're just trying it and flinging paint around and seeing what happens when they put that color on that and scratch it away and you know and then they start to get excited about what they're doing and, and see the ideas and the potential and introducing probably lots more contemporary artists for them to be looking at. I find a lot of students come to me with the same old kind of names, you know, the sort of masters, the impressionists and Picasso and, the, you know, the kind of mm. modern. But really, students really need to be looking at what's happening in the art world today, you know, what's going on today. And seeing how that can influence them so that so that's two kind of approaches that i feel that are really important because the finished pieces are always important at school and that's where much of the you know the emphasis goes but it's that exciting part at the beginning when you don't really know what you're doing that's a bit scary because you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> we don't like being there but being there is really important because that's when the exciting stuff happens so. <laughs> So what's been your personal journey uh, into art? What kind of excited you to get, get into art in the first place? I hate to say it, but I wasn't really very good at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I was at school and I just loved it. But I do remember, I mean, that's, that's how my career has developed, is that, of course, I was at school and went and did my A-levels and went on to a foundation course. But it was the only thing that really spoke to me at all. And I remember really at a young age saying to my mum all the time, she must have been sick to death of it. Oh, what can I make? I want to make something. I want to make something. And she had all these books that were 101 things to make and do. You know, there was no internet, obviously, <laughs> yeah. in those days. <laughs> so I was always kind of wanting to make stuff. And and then, it, yeah, it just went through. I, I 
didn't excel in anything else other than art and design and that kind of thing. So it just seemed natural, really, for me to go to art college, but with no idea, really, of what I wanted to do. You know, you think young people are so much more switched on these days. Whether it's a good thing or not, I don't know. Sometimes I think it is. And then other times I think, oh, it's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Quite young. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I left art college and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I think I was in the same boat. I, I think when it came to my uni choice, up until the week before submission of my personal statement, I wasn't even sure what I wanted to do. And and then my form tutor said, well, if you're so unsure, just go on a gap year. I was like, I don't think that's going to help either. Like, even if I leave a year, I'm still not going to know what I want to do. So I just picked the subjects that I enjoyed and did a subject-based uni course, which is then the, the next. And But then it was difficult because I did physics and maths at A-level and I did textiles and art. And I had these two very different subjects if there was anything like art and maths at UD, I would have loved to do it. And there was maths and art history, but art history is not the same as art and design. Yes, <laughs> and yes, I wanted yes. something more hands-on, but they didn't have anything like that. So I ended up just doing physics and maths, and I thought I can always go back to the art. I don't know how successful I've been at that. But again, when I left uni, I didn't know what to do. It was like, well, what do I do with this now? And they're like, oh, you could do anything with a physics and maths degree. I was like, well, what exactly? Because I don't know. <laughs> Too much choice, right? Yeah. And everyone else I knew went into banking or engineering or went on mm -hmm. to do a PhD. And I was like, no, I've had enough. I don't think I can do any more anything with numbers. Yeah, <laughs> So what was your journey then? So did you work as an artist for a number of years? Yeah, so I left college and, yeah, left university, um, art college, and worked as an artist for, well, probably until recently, really. I mean, starting the tutoring business that I do takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And so I did, I worked for many years as an artist and, you know, exhibiting work all over really all over Europe and in America and I did some residencies went and kind of you know lived in Switzerland for three months whilst I was there creating art which just sounds so idyllic and it was and at the same time I taught at Edinburgh College of Art and I taught at various further education colleges as well so I was at Dundee College for quite a long time as well and I did some work at West Lothian College too um, what kind of medium did you use? What was your speciality? What was your kind of focus? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I graduated in printmaking, so in the fine art disciplines of printmaking. And really, I think once I left college, I just felt I wanted to just use anything. And I think that's kind of a lot of the way that artists work these days. They they have an idea that they want to communicate and they execute it in whichever way is most appropriate. So I wasn't necessarily printmaking, sometimes I was, but um, making video work or doing photography or yeah, and anything. I worked with glass and, you know, molding glass and all sorts of things. Just really whatever felt the right medium to produce the work in. Um, so it meant a lot of skills development, which was really exciting. Mm. And trying out new things. And I suppose it's that sort of emphasis that I like to work on with the students is I mean, obviously, if they're applying for something like painting, they need to, you know, have a good grounding of painting in their portfolios. But, you know, to have a portfolio that's not too focused, I think, because, you know, if you go and have a look at a painting degree show or go and have a look at the courses, they don't just do painting. You know, they're also doing installations and creating sculptures. And so 
it's it's kind of yeah what, what whatever I fancy really <laughs> <laughs> and did you find that actually being an artist meant that you had to get better at that business side because being a freelancer you have to understand how the business world works because you've got to be promoting you if you're not going to be your Mm -hmm. biggest fan then no one else is going to be willing to buy your art if you're like oh it's not that great Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you've got to be your biggest fan so did you find that those skills that you learned during that period of time were very easily transferable when you started up your tutoring no I didn't really (laughs) because I didn't have any skills you know I left art college and I had zero skills in market in you know promoting myself but during that process of being an artist you would have learned yes yeah yeah. the way that I was working was more that I was applying for for grants you know through the arts council through various trusts for residencies so yes I was promoting myself as Mm. in making applications for all these things and sending CVs and I suppose the professionality of photographing your work and sending in at at that time was slides and then digital portfolios but that was really the only thing business plan proper marketing you know it was really just applying for residencies and applying for exhibitions and applying for you know funding there was nothing to do with social media going on in that sort of time yeah you know it didn't really exist back then though right yeah 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 <laughs> just thinking oh right so who's you know where are my clients where where are people going to buy my st-? I suppose the galleries are that kind of in-between stage but I find it's very very different to running a business yeah it's been a very steep learning curve very very steep <laughs> So what is a typical day like for you, Julie? Like, mm. What time do you get up? What is the first thing that you do? Like, What does it look like for you? Yeah, usually up around seven. We've got a young daughter. Oh, wow, she's 13 now. I keep thinking she's, well, she is young, <laughs> but she's not a little kid anymore. So really, that's the first thing is getting her up and off to school. She's out now at eight in the morning, which is fine. You know, she used to be more like nine, but she's off up the road walking to school some days I have a run depending on which day it is <laughs> do a bit of shared childcare. so yeah some days I have a run which is quite a recent thing there's a mm. lot of people aren't they lockdown kind of has changed a lot of people's view on um, looking after themselves I think and, and exercise and also because I'm at the computer most days yeah the downside isn't it so yes a run yesterday and and really kind of I think that thing also of I've always worked an academic day you know working at the art college working at colleges I've always started at nine nine till whatever four and it's taken me a long time to realize that actually I can go for a run and start at (laughs) ten look at look at that laugh (laughs) oh no that's naughty I've started I start at 11 Julie do you (laughs) I'm such a rebel I won't do any meetings before 10 if I do it's very very rare right and nine o'clock is like unheard of for me but like 11 is my start time but then I work till like I'll have breaks during the day but I'll work till like really late in the night Mm -hmm. and that's when I'm most productive but Mm. (laughs) it's so funny that you laughed at the fact that you started I know I just suddenly thought I can just block out my diary and not have any appointments available till 10 yeah and that's been really important because I think until the lockdowns I have kind of gone absolutely all out hell for leather because I love what I do it's really hard to not do that when you love what you do isn't it yeah yeah you know I'd eat live breathe my business and I think lockdown forced me to think 
well, I had to because our daughter was at home and at the time, you know, she was in final year at primary school and I only had sort of two and a half days, three days to work and I just had to get done what I needed to get done and then I realised she managed okay. So yeah, so around something like that and then really it's kind of cracking into checking on current students that are on the course that I offer. So students will be on my online, I've got an online course that most of the study is, you know, online through video tutorials, me showing them, you know, different techniques and different ways of working, lots of research into different artists all over the internet. But there's various kind of points where they need tutorials. So there's face-to-face, -face, as in Zoom at the moment. If they're close by to me here in Edinburgh, I'll do them face-to-face. -face. But there's certain points in the course that they're on um, when we review the work and we look at the work and we give I give feedback on the work. So yeah, being in touch with whoever's on the course and answering messages from them. Some of them have sent me work for me to look at. Is this okay? Is this right? What should I do? Oh no, you know. So it's kind of picking up on that. At the moment, also, it's it's working replying to you know new inquiries because the schools are back up here in Scotland. I think you've maybe have you got another week in England? Yeah, we start next week. Yeah. So the schools have been back for two weeks already up here. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, Do you still yeah, have a six-week holiday? We have seven, but we finish much earlier. Yeah, we finish okay. at the end of June. So they're all back, and they're probably all like, oh, oh I've got to stop on my portfolio. <laughs> so I've had lots of inquiries and lots of um, quite a lot of students signing up in the last couple of weeks. So just really kind of making sure that contracts and, you know, obviously invoices are sent out, workbooks are sent out, and that students are getting enrolled on the course, you know, in good time so that they get enough time to get, you know, to the deadlines, which are in mm. January. And, and just, yeah, settling in new students. I've just got some notes here of the kinds of things that I was doing yesterday. Advising parents who, you know, I get a lot of inquiries of, with parents whose son or daughter is maybe not ready for a starting art college yet they, they've left school and they've you know they may be a, a much kind of earlier level lower level perhaps and just advising you know people I don't get a lot of advisory calls but it's that advising people who maybe aren't in the creative world you know parents who are not in the creative world kind of how it works you know yeah so so 10 o'clock you're starting and and yes. so it's a lot of admin time during the day mm. and mm -hmm. then do you break for lunch at some point during the time I do yes <laughs> break for lunch is it a short break because you can mm. take two hours off then you yes I know have an afternoon usually, yeah usually about an hour because I'm at home my partner's also at home we have lunch together in the garden usually nice. <laughs> if it's nice <laughs> Yeah, but probably an hour, less less than an hour, probably. So do you have any um, teaching during the day or is it all in the evening? It's often in the day. I mean, I okay. block out, yeah, I block out my diary in the evening. <laughs> if a student really can't do a daytime, then I will do an evening. But yeah, my diary usually is open sort of 10 till 5. Is that because so, they have free periods that they can actually then... I think it is, yes. Yeah. 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 And and to be honest, it's a 20-week course. It's all online except for five tutorials. So they've only got to find five hours, you know, over 20 weeks so they can dip in. You know, they'll maybe be home from school at half past three and we can make a four o'clock appointment. So you get them to enrol on a on an online course rather than work with you all individually one-to-one. 
And then the tutorials that you do, do you do them in small groups or are those actually one-to-one? They're all one-to-one. I just find the from feedback I've had from students is just that it's so personal what they're doing or what they're being asked to produce that you know, the one-to-one time. So they're basically getting five hours. There's a lot of the students say to me, that's more time than I've ever had. (laughs) One-to-one with a teacher or a tutor at college, you know, and they're just, you know, the feedback really is that how beneficial that is. And I suppose it's all kind of reflective in the prices, but I have looked at a group model, but because I can take students at any time of the year, they're not all at the same part. And that was a question from a student last week, actually, was do you do group ones? You know, they felt they felt a bit isolated, obviously, we all have. <laughs> but do you do group tutorials? And it was that thing of, well, yeah, everybody's at different stages and I don't really know how beneficial that would be. It's something to, to bear in mind. Yeah, I guess yeah. you could take an isolated skill that doesn't require much other experimental work before it and you could work on that. Or it could be a group project that they do. And, yes, uh, yeah. It could yeah. be a theme and they look at how they interpret it differently or, I don't know, it could be something that you do that is different from the main kind of course that you develop. You could do that mm-hmm. as an add-on and that could mm-hmm. be a group thing that you do. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's loads of ways. And I was just thinking, oh, it'd be amazing if you came to the Marrakesh retreat with us because you'd uh, be there, like, painting away and creating <laughs> a portfolio. And that would be amazing to capture uh, the place because it's so much. Have you been before? No, no, I haven't heard. The colour in Marrakesh is amazing. The colour and, and uh, the the uh, the shapes and the geometry that they use in the building is amazing. Um, and it's so inspirational. And there's a, there's a famous artist, I forget the name. He lived in Marrakesh. He's a European artist. He lived in Marrakesh. And he... He's obviously passed away now, but his um, his house still stands there. And the house overlooks this garden, which is so gorgeous. And you, you'd be like, well, of course he would be inspired, right? Of course he would come up with all of these. I think he was a fashion designer slash artist. And of course he would come up with all of these kind, kind of things because he had all of this inspiration right on his doorstep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so th- there's, there's loads there. That would be really cool. Have you thought about doing residential trips where you do things with your students like you take a group abroad and uh you visit galleries and then you kind of create a portfolio on the go yeah I mean it's all kind of stuff I I always think maybe for the future because I think Mm. having had a young child for so long who now is becoming a little bit more independent (laughs) yeah things things like that now are starting to go through my mind again whereas previously I I just felt very much no I just want to be here and, um, yeah, yeah, it, it is quite restrictive. What about oh God, honestly, people people do do these things with a young family, but I just I didn't really want to. I kind of felt yeah. like I really just wanted to be here for her. So yeah, but that's certainly you know something for the future. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it could, you could do it with her. Like you could take her. It could be her holiday, right? A couple of days during a half term is quite nice. A break as well for for kids. Yeah, the, the idea of the Marrakesh Business Retreat initially came from an art retreat because Marrakesh is full of art. Like there's a local artist everywhere on the corners, and uh, to have an art retreat where we could then lo- learn from the locals the different crafts because they do all sorts of different crafts as well. And then when lockdown happened and people were all kind of restricted and I thought, actually, we can do all of this business training online, but it would be so amazing to actually go to a location 
and 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 do something together collectively so uh i'm really looking forward to that i haven't met anyone in 18 months so to be around people again would be amazing and now that we're approaching the winter oh mm-hmm. bring back the sun <laughs> mm-hmm. yes i know i know it's getting cooler isn't it yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah so i think uh yeah I, I think what you do is amazing and specifically that you focus on portfolios as well that i think is really amazing because yeah. that's what employers and and universities and colleges will look out for and students don't always have a chance to maybe even like think outside the box or produce something that would be presentable um so I think what you're doing there is great do you get older students as well where they're actually going for a job interview and they need to have a portfolio put together do you have a different sort of course or does the same kind of course apply yeah no I don't often get inquiries actually from people putting together portfolios for jobs or or anything like that I suppose if if they're an artist already operating, I suppose, as an artist and they're going for a job, the work is already created. So it's just really mm. the presentation of things. So no, I don't I don't really cover that at all. I mean, there's nothing to stop anybody doing the course, anybody who kind of just wants to explore their creativity. I mean, that, it's not with the only aim in mind of going to art college. Mm. Um, so I do get mature students and I get a couple of people at the moment and, and I've worked in them in the past just having a complete life change. You know, they've been teachers for years and they've just decided, actually, I want to go to art college. I want to be, and they get the bug, you know, once they start, you know, that's it. Oh, wow, I've got to go to university now. Or students who have, this often happens, got a place at university to do something, for example, like physics, but, but I can't think what they're doing now. Sociology, one lad I worked with and somebody else recently, um, English. And they've just thought, oh you know, getting closer and closer to September and they're like, oh, you know, I don't really think I want to go. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big decision to take when you've spent, you know, your school years working towards, you know, Mm. the A-levels and then you've got a place at university and a very kind of well-esteemed university and thinking, actually, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go and do art. And the parents kind of like, well, I don't really really know the art world. What does that mean? You know, (laughs) so it's having that kind of, experience to help guide them through you know the best way for them so yeah I guess yeah. I, I guess that's kind of where I was because mm. I went to a grammar school and when, when you've had a grammar school education the expectation is that you'll go on to do something mm. other than art Academic. right yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so um and I really wanted to do art but then there was always a rivalry between the physics and the art department and you couldn't really get like an honest conversation with either of them without them bashing the other. So if you'd ask them about, and then they knew that I did both subjects and they'd end up bashing each other. I'm like, well, you're not really helping what I've, I've not really asked about that. <laughs> so it was really difficult to get that kind of objective uh, information from them. And it's really difficult because you, you turn to people and you ask for advice and they'll be like, what are you going to do with art? What are you mm. gonna do with art? Like, mm. yeah, how yeah. is that gonna be useful in life? And you're like, oh. And I look back and I'm like, I would have loved to have done it and had a uh, done a foundation here just to explore because I I did feel that the school curriculum was very restrictive and you don't really get a chance to do things unless you really want to, but then you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so how how do you know you're not gonna like something or you are gonna like something? And photography was something that I enjoyed. And I enjoyed acrylics and um, mixed media. And um, I don't think I really got a chance to properly explore. Mm, So mm. I think I would have loved the opportunity. But then I think 
You weren't around then for me. Yes. You were all the way in Scotland. <laughs> but you only really think about, you know, physics and biology and and then art. The actual processes and the way of working, it's so same. similar now. Yeah. You know, you're researching. And there's still, yeah. you know, in the universities, there's the AHRC, what does it stand for? Art and Humanities Research Council, you know, and it comes oh, wow, from there's an actual science. Well, it comes from sort of science and medicine and you know where lecturers at the, the two kind of meet together yeah this is what i find really fascinating that they create this, this distinction these are the art mm. subjects and these are the sciences and and if you look at the past kind of great science artists they mm. did both yeah. because they uh-huh. saw them go hand in hand and i did some training in photography much much later on uh part of my bit like when I was running workshops I wanted to get really high quality photos and we got like a really um, expensive DSLR camera I hired a photographer to give us some training and when he started to kind of go into the detail of the lens and the focal point and all of this kind of stuff I'm like this is all physics and this is like mind-blowing physics like I can't even get my head around it and yet artists don't see themselves as, as academics and you're like actually what you're learning here is quite high level science and maths and all of this kind of stuff. And and then I did some darkroom training as well. And he was using all of these chemicals and I'm like, this mm. is all chemistry. Like yes. how how is this not even thought of as a as a science? Like what you're doing here is a tried and tested experiment. I think if in school kids were taught the science of art and the maths of art and understanding lenses and focal points from the perspective of a camera it'd be a completely different course and the way that they'd view art and science would be completely different. I also think the kind of something that I like to really drum home, what's that term? <laughs> you know, get in through to the students is the number and the range of transferable skills that they're, they're learning. Yeah. Employability skills. I know it's all a bit buzzwordy and a bit kind of now, but you know, I came out of college thinking I did printmaking. I can print make. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is all. I thought, how am I going to get a job doing that? I don't want to be a printer. You know, <laughs> I had no idea all the stuff, all the ways of thinking and the critical thinking and making the connections and the risk taking and the being adventurous. You know, all those things that lateral thinking and, you know, all those things. You've got a list, you know, in this workbook that I have for students just so that they can see that they're not only learning how to paint mm. or they're not only learning how to take a photograph. They're learning the hand-eye stuff. coordination. They're learning to yeah. see things, see details. Yes. And there was an article a couple of years ago where surgeons were being, they, they were passing university qualified, yet they mm. didn't have the dexterity yes. skills. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, because they that, don't yeah. do anything with their mm. hands. And I, and I say this to a lot of people that want to go into medicine or want to go into optometry or dentistry. I'm like, you got to have the hand skills, like do some arts and crafts and get your kids to do that quite young. So they get used to that. But they don't often see it in that lens. And I think it's a shame. And I think it's a lot to do with how the education system is set up, where it separates and puts a focus on the academics and not on the others. But the skills you learn as an artist, they're very sociable skills because you've got to talk to people, you've got to think outside the box, you've got to see different interpretations. And yet we don't learn that when you're doing physics because you just sat there on your own and you, mm-hmm. you lack the social skills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh-huh. it's so interesting how one is deemed to be essentially better than the other when I don't, 
actually the skills that you're learning are so different yet so similar and yet I think you learn more with art more transferable skills because you're learning how to how to socially interact with people how to present things in a way that other people can interpret how to make things accessible to others and you don't learn those skills in physics <laughs> you just learn to answer an equation and and to do with research and that has its place as well but I guess during lockdown also there's been a huge kind of focus on art and mental health and mental yeah, well-being yeah. and yeah. And, and all of that kind of stuff as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's loads of things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is it's really important, I think, in that sense too, is that, you know, students can, if they want to, you know, explore through their art, you know, how they're feeling and, you know, issues, problems, just things that are happening in the world, you know. And there's a lot to kind of comment on, isn't there, at the moment about what's happening yeah. in the world. So all that's really exciting for them because it gives them a suppose, an ownership of their experience, which is really valuable to them, I think. Yeah. And it's an outlet of emotions because sometimes it's difficult to get emotions in words and art allows you to kind of do that on a piece of paper without having to put any words down and communicate something without actually writing anything down or saying anything which I think is really powerful as well. It's been lovely having uh, a chat with you, Julie, and learning about what you do. And uh, yeah, you've given me the bug of art as well. I want to go and do something now with art. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business. Now, if you did, please remember to do me a favor and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. If you fancy becoming a member of the Champions Club or would like to attend a learning workshop or maybe even the business and cultural retreat in Marrakesh, then visit the website ukeducators.com where you'll find lots of information. You can also join our Facebook community at UK Educators. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast and I'll see you next Sunday when we release another episode.